Hey there, demons. It's us, you girls. Welcome back to the Office Goblin Podcast. I'm S. And I'm D. And we are goblins. Two goblins on the internet that have many thoughts, interests, and opinions about stuff and things. And today we're continuing with the booktacular, spooktacular extravaganza. I like that. I like booktac. Booktacular. <laughs> booktacular, yep. We put the boo in books. <laughs> I put the boo in booty. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Yeah. As, <laughs> as you all were, were listening to our last episode, um, depending and on how not much- go listen. Yes. Depending on how much we keep at the end, we are rolling straight from that one into this recording. So the energy is up. We are ready. <laughs> the booze are is not flowing because we're drinking water. So Yes. Yes. But there remember. is boo in there. <laughs> boo. <laughs> Is that a ghost in your house? Oh my god. Oh, spooky. <laughs> and as we barrel into this episode, yes. Dee, why don't you kick us off? What's another book that's been on your list this spooky season? So there's a book that I read maybe a year ago or so. I got it from my mom. And it's going back onto the true crime wagon. Mm-hmm. It's called The Bone Keeper, and it's by mm. Luca Vest, with an E at the end. So, like, Vest, like a vest, and then another E. So, I don't know Vesti. if it's Vesti. Right. <laughs> yeah, just for all intents and purposes, just say Vesti if you're going to Google it. Yeah, there you go. Uh, it takes place in England, and it follows a, oh, what do I want to call it here? Like, a local legend that is called The Bone Keeper, and it's basically told to little kids to stay out of the woods or the bone keeper will get you and they'll keep your bones right Uh uh-huh and the main character when she's a kid goes into the woods with her two cousins and her older brother and there's a like an old drainage tunnel that's kind of out in the woods and they make a bet that you have to you have to run through it you know or else you're a pansy you know, oh, you're scared of the bone keeper? No, you gotta run through the tunnel. Girl, if anyone dared call me a pansy, I'd be like, that is a flower. <laughs> and you're stupid. <laughs> right? But so, you know, the girl's cousins run through. And she runs through. Mm-hmm. And she stops halfway through the tunnel. Because she thinks she hears something in the tunnel with her. No, ma'am. And she gets really freaked out. And so... You know, something spooks her enough to get her running again. Because you've got fright, fight, flight, or freeze. Mm-hmm. She froze initially. And then when she realized she wasn't alone in the tunnel, she ran. So she makes it out the other side. And she's freaking out because her brother is supposed to come in behind her. They didn't have, like, flashlights or anything? No, because they're kids in the woods in the middle of the day. Y'all. So she's screaming... Like, don't do it. Don't run through. Let us come, like, let's come back to you. And he's like, no, you're just scared. You just, you know, you just heard your own echo of footsteps or something, right? So the last thing they know is he enters the tunnel. And he never leaves the tunnel. So now she has to live with the fact that she thinks she's killed her brother. But so she grows up her whole life. They don't talk about that incident. You know, it kind of gets buried in the past. Yeah. And they never find her brother's body. And so 
she ages and she believes that there's something in the woods, you know, that you, that you just, you don't go into the woods, right? Mm-hmm. And now as she gets older, she's a detective for the local police department mm-hmm. and bodies start showing up. And so it's a very good cross between local legend having roots in reality mm-hmm. and how far is a legend until it becomes real, basically. Can I ask, yeah. and if this gives away anything of the story, feel free to be like, no, just read the book. But <laughs> the bodies that are showing up, are they of people who had gone missing around the time of peak Bonekeeper lore? Or was it following that time and those so, disappearances? It's it's new bodies. Okay. And so, like, one of them was a woman who ran out of the woods at one point, barefoot, mm-hmm. like, was running for her life. And she came up to a shopkeeper and was like, he's coming, he's after me, it's the bone keeper. Like, says, it's the bone keeper who's coming for me. And she ends up, like, disappearing again, and they find her body later in the woods. Yeah. And as the story progresses, they find different – like, they're trying to find out who kills her, who's murdered this woman. And there's, like – at one point, they go out into the woods, and they find this shack, right? A shack is never good news. (laughs) I don't remember Caves and shacks and tunnels. Or if it's, like, an old abandoned building, like a... Not any better. I know, right? But, like, one of those old brick warehouse kind of buildings mm-hmm. that's not super big and it's fallen down or whatever. And they find, I think, fresh graves. Oh, my gosh. So now it's, like, so they... And then at one point, I think they went to go back to that building and it's burned to the ground. Convenient. hmm So it's... There's a, when you find out, like, when the case gets solved at the end, uh, it's another one of those books I had to put down and go, are you fucking kidding me? And, like, (laughs) come back to it. But it's, I love when it, it, you know it's fiction. But it's also written in a way that, like, that could fucking happen, and I don't like that. (laughs) I will just say, where I lived... There has been so much crime, right. a lot of connections with serial killers. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, over the last couple years, there have been a lot of disappearances of black women. Mm-hmm. You know, subsequent retrieval of a body. Yeah. And they were questioning whether it was one serial killer or a few. Yeah. So, you know, there is always, like you said, that kernel of truth in there that you're like, oh my God, like this is happening in my backyard kind of thing. I mean, didn't they just catch like a serial killer in California or something last week? What? Yeah, like seven people or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it. I also, so I, one of my favorite shows to watch is Unsolved Mysteries. Probably says Mm -hmm. a lot about me as a person, but there's the one episode that was released that I watched. So the newest season three is coming out and they're releasing it three episodes at a time, which fucking annoys me because I'm a binger. I have a problem. 
the third episode talks about how they found uh, they were mowing the grass on the side of the road and found a sleeping bag that was like tied or duct taped. And when they went to move it, they realized it was really heavy. And they're like, we're not touching this. Call the police. Cause they didn't know if it was a child. Yeah. It was not a child, thankfully, but it was a pair of legs. Just a pair. Pair of legs attached to the butts. Oh my God. And then further down the interstate, they found another bag with the head. And even further down the interstate, they found a suitcase with the trunk and arms. That is just appalling to me. Like the the state of depravity you have to be in. The worst part is that they know who did it and she is on the run to this day. What? So I, it's again, it's one of those where it's like truth is just as terrifying as fiction. Like these people exist and they are out there. I, I mean, like apropos that, and this is literally just happened, you know, prior to us recording in the days leading up about those four men murdered and dismembered in Oklahoma or something uh, like that. What? I didn't hear about that. Excuse me. Yeah, dude. Uh <laughs> <sighs> I know, I know. And it's like, no. I know. And they caught the guy. Thank they God. caught the guy. I think somewhere like in Florida or something like that. But yeah, can you imagine? No, and I don't want to. <laughs> I, yeah, right. Silly question, but. <laughs> yeah, no. So it's coming back. The book, like I said, is The Bone Keeper. And it's very... It's it's definitely taking – I think what I love more about it is that it's not just true crime. It's bringing in almost folklore. Yeah. And it, it also then makes you think, like, what are your local legends in your town or in your state or in your country? And be like, oh, shit. <laughs> it's almost – because I'll, I'll tell you this, though. There is someone in the woods in the book. Like, they do catch the person who is in charge or who has done these murders and heinous crimes. Yeah. And it's almost like a Scooby-Doo villain. Get out. <laughs> right? Like, it's it's someone who has taken a story and they have become the monster so that they are able to do whatever they want. Wow. I mean, apropos, like, local fo- folklore, I think of, like, Cropsy, which is kind of Staten Island, New York Mm -hmm. folklore. You know, a person who lived beneath the tunnels of an abandoned um, asylum. Oh, That is literally in Staten Island, yeah. But, and you know, a child snatcher, subsequent child snatcher. And I think it was children who had some kind of like developmental disabilities and things like that too, which makes it even worse. If you can imagine, again- I gotta stop saying if you can imagine. It's like wild is to you as can you imagine is to me. Um, right. So, yeah. I, I mean, think about it. Slender Man, Cropsy. Slender, that whole Slender Man bullshit was just ridiculous. Slender Man took such a hold on the internet when it came out that I don't, I have not seen it replicated since. But you heard about those two girls that stabbed that other girl? I think it was like in Ohio or something. Why is it Ohio? I don't know. It's usually Florida, but we've moved on to Ohio. 
I feel like the people that are weird in public live in Ohio, no, Ohio but live in Florida. And the people that are fucked up behind closed doors are the people in Ohio. If you live in Ohio, so sorry. <laughs> but maybe you can message us and let us know whether that's true or not. S and I are both from the Midwest. We're not from Ohio, but we're from the Midwest. Yeah. So, like, it's We're practically there. neighbors, we, yeah. We we can understand, kind of, like, the the crazy, I guess, that can happen in the Midwest. <laughs> It's it's a hotbed <laughs> of um I I guess it's a hub of low key craziness yeah. that when you finally start digging then you're like it's a lot of craziness. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah, it's not just that polite midwestern front that we're serving where it's like, "Oh, you're fine." And I oop. <laughs> I'm a squeeze right past you. <laughs> Yeah, but anyway, the Slenderman thing. So these two girls, they stabbed this girl, almost killed her. And I I think they stabbed her an absurd amount of times. Like, one time is too much, but these ladies really took it to the whole nother level. But in any case, they were like, oh, Slenderman made us do it. And I'm like, mm, y'all got no hobbies? Like, you know, <laughs> go outside, touch some grass, a wood oh chip God. maybe, eat a wood chip. <laughs> Like, live it up. <laughs> Slender Man told me to do it. Come on. Yeah, it's... What is wrong with people? Like, no. <laughs> I don't know, girl. I don't know. But let's let's roll into this. Let's keep the train going. Yeah. You've got another book for the lovely listeners and possibly myself to read. What you got for me? Oh, yeah. But before I do that, I got to back up and reinstate my Midwestern cred. It's not oop, it's ope. Yes. Yeah, ope. ope. Yeah, Ope is intensifying right now, Mm because she said oop. Um, But I'm going to name a classic, and it's a really good story, because the movie changed quite a few things. And the book I'm talking about is William Peter Blatty's The Exorcist. Oh. Yeah, because in the original lore, it was a boy, Roland Doe. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And... You know, I guess the aunt was a spiritualist or some kind of medium that taught this boy how to use a Ouija board. And when she passed, because they were very close, he attempted to contact her and would spend all this time trying to contact her. But mm-hmm. when you call out, you don't know who's going to respond or what. Exactly. So, you know, and uh, subsequent calamity ensues and things like that. But again, what I found really interesting in getting back to our first episode is in the movie... There's some moments involving a crucifix. Anyway, okay. fill in the blanks. Little girl. Oh. You know you know what I mean? Yeah, and I can see. I haven't seen the movie, so... But you can fill in the blanks, and that's exactly what I'm talking about, that in these horror movies that girls and women die these, like, horrible, gruesome deaths or sustain injuries to these particular parts of their bodies... Like, as if it's this dirty, awful thing already. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I remember watching the movie. This was, and I don't know if it's region specific, but Blockbuster. (laughs) (laughs) My my friend and I, we used to go 
once a week and rent a horror movie. And mind you, we were in grade school at the time. And I don't know how we got our hands on The Exorcist, but we oh did. And I remember watching it and like, neither she nor I found it scary as much as it was just disturbing more than yeah. anything, particularly those kinds of parts. And especially being girls of a similar age band mm-hmm. where we're like, oh my God. <laughs> You know? Yeah. So that's the disturbing part in it to me. This, like, what they're trying to convey there. Right. And what that symbolically means, yeah. Yeah, that's... I didn't know that the story originally featured a boy. Yeah. And it's a great book. It's a really great book. That's fucked up. Yeah. And I... I really wish to say that, oh, we're moving forward in society and we're not trying to monetize women's pain, but we haven't yet. Maybe one day. Maybe one day. (laughs) I'm not holding my breath. Like, I hate to sound like such a pessimist in this moment, but I see horror movies that come out within the last three years and it's pretty much the same old thing. Yeah. Yeah. If not worse, and you're just like, God, God, does it ever stop? (laughs) It's not even horror movies, but like some horror genre video games. I think Dead Island came under a lot of scrutiny when it came out because I think on the cover it was just like a woman's bloody torso and a giant rack. No arms, no legs, Uh, no head, just tits. I'm like, that's, first of all, if you find that sexual, that's fucking weird. I, right. Like those people that marry the zombie dolls. Have you seen that? No. Yes. The what? I'm going to send you a video. Oh. Okay. And I'm like, how could you find this attractive even? Like, this is terrifying to look at. I would not want to wake up and forget, you know, that this thing is there with me. (laughs) Yeah. Uh -uh. Uh-uh. Mm-mm. I'm going to send you a video. Okay. Listeners, if you hear clacking, it's because I know I forget stuff, so (laughs) I gotta do it now. Well, while you send me a video, I'm going to go on to the next book that I have, which, now that I'm thinking about it, now that we're talking about it, has to deal with a woman's pain as well. Get into it. It's called The Silent Patient, and it's written by Alex Michaelides. I think that's how you pronounce his last name. I'm terribly sorry if that's not. Phenomenal writer. I could not put this book down. I picked it up when I got home from work at like 7 o'clock one night. Mm -hmm. I stayed up till 3 a.m. finishing it. Wow. Uh, It was, it's so good. It's the whole premise is this woman is sent to an asylum for murdering her husband. They don't know if she's murdered her husband. All they know is they found her in the house with her husband's dead body tied up to a chair. And she's not talking. Like, mute. She is not talking. Mm -hmm. And it's almost to the point where she can't talk. So, there's a psychologist that says, like, he, he learns about the crime. He learns about the patient. And he applies to work at that facility specifically so that he could work with this patient because like he feels connected to her that's his first problem that's the red flag right there Ugh. so she won't like she still she won't talk to him 
And it's just the whole story is about him trying to learn about the crime, about why she would kill her husband, about what her husband was doing and, you know, tries to dig into the case and, and all this other fun stuff, right? And then the ending gets you like a goddamn fish. So I, I literally cannot say anything more about it. Mm-hmm. Because I would ruin it. I would ruin the whole story. And I do not want to ruin that for anybody. The fact I wanted to throw my book at the wall is a feeling I want anyone who picks up that book to feel in the end. But it's it's definitely, I don't even know if I would call it horror. I would call it more psychological. But it's more of like the horrors of what people face, you know, in the day-to-day life. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love um, that. I'm getting yeah. such a list today. <laughs> don't confuse it with the patient which was a different book i talked about last but last episode this is the <laughs> silent patient and it's kind of fun because this author also wrote a story called the maidens that came out after the silent patient but it takes place in the same universe and it takes place before the silent patient the same universe in the sense of is so, this like a, a metaverse type thing or I think so, because the Maidens has to deal with an entirely different topic. It it does deal with, I think, ser- a serial killer. Someone mm-hmm. dies, and it's this... The main character's niece's best friend is murdered at college. And so the aunt comes, because the niece is in her guardianship, and so she's there to, like, make sure she's okay, make sure she's safe. Mm-hmm. And, you know, start to kind of find weird shit's happening with this group called the Maidens, which were this group of girls that followed this professor around who taught Greek mythology. And so oh, she God. thinks that he's the murderer. Like, you did something to these girls. You're the professor, and these girls are fawning over you like you're a rock star. And in one of the meetings with the professor and another professor, the aunt, they're talking about it's somehow there's a psychologist they all meet up at this bar right and that sounds like a joke so <laughs> and know, a right? professor and a psychologist meet at a bar <laughs> but so one of the psychologists brings along a, a partner or a friend that they went to school with and that friend ends up being the psychologist in the silent patient oh okay got it so got it's it. like a wild side character that kind of just pops in and almost makes a cameo appearance and mm-hmm. then leaves but when I read that part of the book, I'm like, excuse me, what the fuck do you mean? Because he, he brings up the fact in the bar, I think I'm going to change locations like from this ward to the next because there's this case that I'm really interested in. Uh-huh. So yeah, that's that's where that went. And um, so there's the Maidens that technically takes place before the silent patient. But you can read either on their own and out of order because they don't have interactions with each other besides that one cameo appearance. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. But I will say this whole the professor and his maidens group is very much serving the same energy as the cult of Dionysus from True Blood. <laughs> the Ooh. wild bunch. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really weird. It's very much like how we talked about last episode, cult vibes. Mm. And it's 100% a cult. And it's like this group of young women. They dress in white. They show up to all of his, you know, speeches or his classes. 
they meet like at these special uh, group study events. I put that in quotation marks and find out that the niece's friend was a part of that group, like was just a new member. And so that's why they're so focused on the group and this professor. And then it gets weird <laughs> at the is end. There, is there like witchcraft stuff? Because I think of like <laughs> the maiden mother crone thing. And no, there's no witchcraft. There's uh, there's a lot of relationship with a power dynamic. Oh, gross. Yeah. And it it I have to leave it at that. I have to leave it at that. Otherwise, I give away the ending. But there's a lot of power dynamics that are going on in this in the in that story. Yeah, Especially more- like romantic sexual power dynamics. Oh. Yeah. How apropos for these times. Yeah. Y'all don't date your college professors. That's just weird. Don't even date the GAs because that's still weird. Yeah, yeah. It's like just one step short of <laughs> the professor. Yeah, that's why are all of our horror stories like super deep at the same time? I don't know. And they all have to do with these like women going through stuff like her friend is murdered. Right. In a very gruesome way. It's, and now she's going to yeah. devote her life to, you know, finding out who did it. Who done it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I do imagine you... that's one whole word. Who done it? Who done it? Yeah, and like D-U-N-N-I-T. Who done it? <laughs> and Sweet D, I believe you also have a series. I do. I I have a series that is much lighter and deals that's a more- lie. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> it deals more with the fact that the world takes place where the supernatural world exists and is interacting with humans. Oh, tell me more about it. So I'm sure everyone in our age group is aware that you either you everyone had a twilight phase. You had a pro twilight phase. Or an anti-Twilight phase. But everyone had a Twilight phase. And I feel like some of us are wanting to revisit the supernatural world in a healthy manner. (laughs) So let me introduce to you the Mercy Thompson series by Patricia Briggs. (laughs) I love this series and i am currently working my way through it a second time and there's like 13 books <laughs> oh my god you are like steamrolling through this <laughs> yeah my devotion to mercy thompson knows no bounds <laughs> so well here's the thing <laughs> the main character <laughs> the main character mercy thompson is a I badass w- I would love if the name was totally different. It's like the Mercy Thompson series featuring like Toothless Harry or something. (laughs) Oh my god, no. Um, Mercy is a badass half Native American mechanic in Washington, the state. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Not DC. And is a, what she refers to as a walker. You basically, I'll just go ahead and say it. You come to find out that her dad is the spirit embodiment of coyote. Like of a coyote, animal coyote? So like in Native American culture, they have spirits that are like the representation of each 
of each creature. So you've it's got the coyote like, spirit. <laughs> it is. It is the spirit of coyote. And anyone who knows like Native American folklore or what have you knows that coyote is a very mischievous, like like the fox artist. Of, the fox of the yes. spirit word world. Word. Yes. <laughs> coyote is known for not disaster, but bad luck. But at the same time, getting himself out of bad luck. Other people not so much, but he survives. So that's her father. That's her dad. She doesn't know that for like the first five books or so in the series. But obviously there's something because she can turn into a coyote. Like she knows that something has happened that has made her this way. And it's not her mom because her mom's fucking white bread American. (laughs) Who fell in love and had a one-night stand with a rodeo cowboy. Coyote. Coyote. And so she lives... Yeah, who says romance is dead? <laughs> or undead. Or... Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, dab. <laughs> so Mercy... Mercy lives, works in a garage, and shares a fence line with... <laughs> The alpha of the shut up <laughs> of the local pack. <laughs> Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'm not looking at you because my my face was in my hands. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so like in this world, werewolves and the fae and vampires and demons like they all exist. Instead of the fay, my brain auto-tuned it and heard the bay. <laughs> oh no, come back. The third co-host is leaving because I was coughing on them. Oh no. But, um, so, Mercy herself, her mom was a teen mom. Okay. And, and gives birth to Mercy. And she's like, you know, this is my baby. I don't care if I don't know who the dad is. This is this is my daughter, I'm going to raise her. Uh, yeah. And then walked in one day and found a coyote puppy in the crib and went, what the fuck? So <laughs> it just so happened that her mom's uncle, either he was a werewolf or he was friends with a werewolf. Oh my gosh. Who was a member of the main pack of North America. And so she was raised then in that pack because the mom's like how the fuck am i supposed to raise a kid that turns into an animal right send it off to the people who can turn into animals like that's kind of her thought process so when mercy moves out of that pack and like makes her own you know starts up her her garage or whatever the the leader of the main pack his name is bran who basically considers himself to be the stand-in father figure for her life mm-hmm sent the alpha of the Colombian Basin Pack to live behind her to keep an eye on her to make sure that she lives. <laughs> and so, you know, Mercy, she, the garage that she works in, she bought from the guy who owned it that she worked for. His name is Zebold, uh, or Zebold, And he's Faye. So he's, 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 he's a fairy, or at least you know, 
in the fairy denomination. (laughs) Because they do a really good job in the book (laughs) to make sure that people know that the fae are not Tinkerbell. Like, they do. People thought that? (laughs) People today think that in our world. It's like, this is a whole other tangent that people, you know, who want to, who think that they want to work with the fae and, like, leave gifts out and they invite them into their fucking oh, house, no. you know? don't do it. <laughs> and then they start dying, like, no shit, because they don't, it's, anywho. <laughs> they're, they're not always nice. Let's they're just put it rarely, that way. They're rarely nice. They do not, yeah. no. They do not I have was, your best interest at heart. No, I was going for the diplomatic thing, but then you went all full, full Brothers Grimm and was like, you're gonna die. Honestly. Honestly. On God. <laughs> so, like, so she worked and she bought out the garage from a fae. His name's Zebolt. He's German. <laughs> it's hilarious. I love it. <laughs> Things are coming together. <laughs> and so Mercy also has a contract with the local vampire Seethe. Of course. Because any supernatural in the area that she lives in pays a tithe to the vampire seeds to make sure that they don't kill them, basically. And Mercy can't afford that. So what she <laughs> has set up is, I will work on your cars for free if you don't kill me. <laughs> this all makes so much sense. Like, so she- you, you know that the vampire's got a knack for business. So she, well... She mainly works on this one character, this one vampire's van. His name is Stefan. I personally adore Stefan because his van is a VW bus painted to look like the mystery machine. Why did I know there was going to be a (laughs) V-dub? So it's really funny because Mercy's full name is Mercedes and she works on German cars. She works on Volkswagen Beetles. Those, uh, history time, because I feel like we served you a history lesson and a psychology lesson in one last episode, but those cars were started during the course of World War II, and guess who drove them? (laughs) Some not nice people. Let me guess, Hitler? Yeah. (laughs) Oh. And his Nazi party. Entourage. Yeah, so that's how that all came about, the Volkswagen thing. Great. Yeah. So. Anywho. Yeah, Mercy has better stay at Mercy and not Mercedes. Yeah, the whole series is just the shenanigans that Mercy gets roped into where she comments most like in almost every book, I have spent my whole life trying to fly under the radar. And now it's like, I'm fucked. (laughs) Now, is it, like, shenanigans associated with this, uh, the vampire mafia or with uh, Stefan? I keep on wanting to say Stefan. Um, <laughs> or um, the Faye, Bezel, Zelob. What's his Zebolt. name? Zebolt. Yes. Zoltan. Um, so the first book is called Moon Called, and it has to deal with the fact that, so... The, the guy that lives behind her, his name is Adam, and he has a daughter, Jessie, from a previous marriage to a fucking bitch, right? And Not its own <laughs> class of mystical creature. No, she's totally human and a cunt. 
So- <laughs> oh god. So <coughs> I was not expecting that. And <laughs> <In> the- <laughs> In the first book, his daughter gets kidnapped, and he almost gets killed. So, uh-huh. like, Mercy has to save his life by taking him to her, basically, stepdad, um, who lives two states <coughs> over, to keep him safe while he heals from the brink of death, right? Yeah. So the first book is all werewolf issues, and werewolf politics, <laughs> and her trying to save Adam's kid. Who she adores as well, because Jesse's like uh, a teenager and also totally human and an absolute rebel. So her and Mercy are just thick as thieves. The second book deals with a demon riding vampire. So the to get turned into a vampire, it's it's to, it's the same along the way, right? Of like how we would imagine it. You know, you're a person, you get bitten. You could turn into a vampire. So this human was a warlock who made a deal with the devil before they got turned into a vampire. Metal. So now you have this ultra-powerful creature wreaking havoc on the town. (laughs) I'm kind of into that, though. Like, the steps this person took, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And so Mercy's the only person who can defeat them because she is immune to most magic being a walker and she can also talk and see ghosts this is totally true blood (laughs) but not like the rated r version because there are fae there are vampires and a vampire named stefan (laughs) and werewolves and cults It's got it all, and it's set in Louisiana. Well, this takes place in Washington, damn it. Both on a coast, you know. That's fair, that's fair. No, no. I I don't know what year the books came out. I don't know what year True Blood came out. All I know is, so it's like the books kind of build from there. It's There's always something happening, right? Someone's getting taken, someone's getting tri- like murdered, whatever. Yeah. And Mercy's just kind of in the middle of it. And eventually she does find out who her dad is mm-hmm. and has a, I don't want to say like a relationship with him, but she at least like talks to him. Mm-hmm. And the books kind of go into the Native American side, which I don't think many fiction stories do. Like fiction no, stories don't no. tend to include Native American lore or folklore or stories, which is... Mm-hmm stupid in my opinion because we live on their land for fuck's sake the last least thing you could do is tell their damn stories or at least include them in fiction right right so yeah it's it's a fun story it's the the books read super fast like i can read a book in a day (laughs) but riddle me this is the author indigenous herself or her, himself, do they have any connections to this community? I don't know. So it's by Patricia Briggs. And I've looked into her website before. And I don't think she is. Um, but I don't know if she's like... I mean, you, you don't know sometimes. Like, you can have right. people who are like Mercy, you know, half native, half 
Anglo-Saxon and you they could be white as hell, but Native American. Yeah, yeah. And I know each tribe, from what I understand, it's there's a certain like percentage of blood or relation that you need in order to be a part of a particular tribe, I think. Yes. Yeah. I'm pretty sure... I can't remember if it's a quarter or an eighth. I think it's a quarter to get, like, I have a a really good friend from high school who, whose grandpa was full Native American, so she's Mm -hmm. a quarter, and she's able to be, like, registered in their community. Oh, okay, awesome. And I think that's, like, you have to at least be a quarter to be a member I, but I, I could be to- talking out of my ass. I have no idea. <laughs> Please yeah. don't hold that against me. I have no idea. No, it was same here. And if um, either of you identifying as being indigenous or know someone who is in these communities and tribes, uh, we'd love to learn more about it. So please let us know. Absolutely. I mean, I I love that the fact that more people are being aware of what land you live on. Mm-hmm. It's it's even that simple. Like, that's a question I would ask the audience is, do you even know what land you live on? Mm-hmm. Because in my home state, I did. I don't know now because I don't know enough about the background of where I live right now. But, you know, I knew exactly where I lived in my home state. And I knew my home state was named after the tribes in the area. Yeah, yeah. Remember when you were visiting me at the time and... We took a day trip to a museum, and coincidentally, they were doing a whole exhibit yes! on that the tribes that lived in your particular home state. Yes, I thought that was so cool. I think they were just doing like a Native American, like a tribe, just explaining across the board. But I found my home state. I'm like, these are the people that lived. Yeah, in it was so cool. I, I think like your state, along with maybe like two others, was specifically referenced because it was contemporary Indigenous American art. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which was super dope. Um, I wish we could make more progress in the way of, like, you know, with the whole South Dakota pipeline, um, the reservations, and mm-hmm. the really sorry state, like, and especially now with these boarding schools and what's coming up in the U.S. and our top hat, Canada. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, how, how that can be remedied, because certainly there's so much pain that just cannot be undone. And we've discussed issues like the missing and murdered indigenous women. So, you know, just something to be aware of. Definitely. And I mean, even the last few years with COVID, it hit the Native community super hard because oh, they, terrible. they couldn't get access to the vaccines. No, no. And it's like, there's a whole topic and conversation surrounding the, like, reservations and the shit that they have to go through mm-hmm. and the lack of support that they have and how stereotypes work consistently against their favor. You know, it's... Yeah. Back to the original topic. It's a fun book series. It's it's much more lighthearted. And I think it's really well written. There's It brings up a lot of good topics. Mercy goes through some pretty hard shit. Mm -hmm. And, like, uh, there's a trigger warning here for sexual assault, but she is raped in one of the books. And I I bring this up because 
to me, the author writes it in a manner that is understandable and actually reflects what a person goes through mentally following that. And I think a lot of the times, like we've talked about in this episode and the last, that, you know, the whole marketing off of women's pain, but this author talks you through, she has panic attacks. She, at first she doesn't, like, she doesn't see herself as a victim. She sees herself as actively partaking in her own assault. And, like, the mental pain and anguish and struggle that she goes through, like, it doesn't just stop at the end of the story. It's brought up multiple times throughout the series to show that stays with you. Like, yeah, it wasn't just a, it happened and now we move on to the next fun adventure. Like, it's something that follows her and influences later decisions in the series, which I really appreciate. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm I'm sure uh, many women can resonate with that, unfortunately, but maybe also resonate with this journey of change that the character also finds herself on following that and how that profoundly impacts her life. Well, I I really like that in that it explores a lot of complex topics with sensitivity, with tact, but also, you know, representing them for the struggles that they are, but also a bit of representation. Like you said, we don't have a lot of books with Native characters Mm -hmm. or with folklore. So it's cool to see that in a more mainstream way, I suppose. Yeah, because there's the book that I'm starting now is called River Marked. I think it's book six. Or rather restarting. Yeah, (laughs) restarting. (laughs) And it deals with Native American folklore and Mm -hmm. river people. river people so individuals who live in the river of this specific area and i can't remember what area it is Mm -hmm. and they kind of act like the native american version of kelpies oh dope so it's really it's really cool to get Uh that viewpoint yeah i don't know i love it I, i think it's a fun series like i said the 13th book um soul taken was just dropped i think last month and this is like a hot rap album, you know, it just dropped. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I, if anyone's looking for like a fun supernatural book series that does dabble with romance, but also dabbles with heavy topics and has really good character development and, you know. Vampires named Stefan. <laughs> I know it's Steven, but it's Stefan now. I, I called him Stefan, so... It, or yeah. it could be Stefan. He's Italian. I don't know. I don't know how to pronounce oh. that. <laughs> Is it P-H with a V? S-T-E-F-A-N. Stefan. Right? Yeah, that could be either Stefan or Stefan. So, I mean, Italian listeners, yell at me. Tell me how you would pronounce that, because I don't fucking know. <laughs> like a deep dive through Google, and then the, <laughs> the following episode is going to be all about Stefan. Oh, my God. But no, that that is what I had. Those were my last three books that I had to recommend. Um, do you have any final thoughts on our two-episode book escapade? No, it was certainly a uh, booktacular. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Got it. 
Well, that folks, thank you everyone for listening. If you have enjoyed it, leave a like, a rating, subscribe, bookmark, shout us out into the universe and send us to your friends. Tell them that we are cool and worth listening to. We greatly appreciate all that you do for us. And until next week, stay alive, friends. Take care, everyone.